Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Well, I have something very special in mind for us today. And I have one of my great friends named Mickey Robison, who is going to be sharing with us today on a near-death encounter. But before we get into that interview setting, let's go to our theme verse for this, the 15th episode, and then I will open us in prayer. Our theme verse for today is found from John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. By the way, these are the words of Jesus in the middle of the death and then resurrection of his dear friend Lazarus. In the middle of that, here is what is recorded in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? There are defining moments, and there are defining questions that come in each of our lives, and this is one of the defining questions for everyone's life. Do you believe this, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Well, let's open in prayer, and will you just pause and agree with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word that does not return void. We thank you for the words of Jesus, that you really are the resurrection and the life. And we submit this time to you. We ask that you open our hearts and open our ears to hear your word that will not return void, but accomplish your very purposes. Amen. Hey, some of you might even say out there, amen. Do you know that that means so be it? And that's a way that you can be in agreement. Okay. Well, for today's episode, I've got one of my best friends who lives right around the corner from me in Franklin, Tennessee. His family has been great friends with me, but that's not what he's known for. This man is known for 
his failed experience of dying. He tried to die, and it was unsuccessful. And so this is called a near-death encounter where my friend, Mickey Robinson, author of the book, Falling into Heaven, is going to share with us some of his real-life encounter of going to heaven, being sent back, and being called as a prophet and a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready to have your world rocked? Well, here's one of the Lord's friends and my friends, Mickey Robison. Well, it's a real New Year treat for me to be able to do this podcast with my friend and buddy, James Gall. Oh, there's a lot to talk about, and I know this flies by, but these are probably some of the most important topics any human being will ever embrace. It may be the most asked question, is there life after death, or is that the final consequence? Well, as a young man growing up in the 50s and the 60s, I didn't think much about death. I was too busy growing up in that uh, post-World War II baby boom where everything seemed to be golden. Things were easy. I was young and athletic. I grew up in in a community south of Cleveland, Ohio. I went to a parochial school for eight years, and then I went to a public high school where I found out I was really good at sports and friendly with all kinds of people, wanted to be in the in crowd. And though I was, you know, a young man who they said was really good looking and was really friendly and was really gregarious, I was never an introvert, I'll put it that way. Uh, But on the inside, I was unloved, I was hurt, I was wounded, and I was looking for definition, and I was looking for a life. So I began to try everything, including all kinds of sports. Obviously, I was on a swim team. I was a gymnast, championship football player, snow skier. And then I started flying airplanes. Always had a fascination with flying. My my superhero as a kid, you can hack my computer if you ask for Superman. Uh, I wanted to fly like Superman. You know, and after I graduated from high school and got a job, I had no no. Uh, right to have without education. I got a job in a very flashy stock brokerage firm at 18 years old. Then they promoted me. And, you know, that was so exciting. I would have done it for nothing. It, it just fit my personality and a lot of my gifting. Buying and selling millions of dollars worth of stock every day of other people's money was, was pretty exciting. But it wasn't about the money. It was about the sizzle. It was about the flash. It was about the excitement of life. And I kept pushing the envelope to find more. So I started flying airplanes that same time. And then I found out you can jump out of them. Now, that is the ultimate rush. And it's not people say, well, you must have been an adrenaline junkie. Well, I don't know, maybe on some things, but in skydiving, it was the pleasure of being in free fall. After you exit the plane for the first time and you attain terminal velocity, uh, 10 seconds of free fall, you're going 125 miles an hour, feels like you're flying and you can move your body around. And the first time you open your parachute, it, it's a stunning beauty of peace and quiet, and you can see all around you, 360 degrees. It's amazing. Now, that might scare some people, but that actually turned me on. And so when I thought I had my life in my control, I, I had everything I was wanting to do. I didn't care anymore about the future. I didn't care about getting married. I wasn't worried about getting drafted and going to Vietnam. I was literally living for the moment, and that moment was the pleasure of those elongated seconds in this rarefied air called free fall. And I couldn't wait to do it over and over and over again. One, uh, it was a uh, 
a Thursday night in the middle of August, and it was hot. It was beautiful, but it was hot in Ohio, and we had two students to put out. It was myself, who had become a professional after only 20 jumps. In the history of aviation, nobody has ever done that. It was just I I, I wanted to do it. I was good at a lot of things. Uh, and I, I began to advance, and I and they would ask me to be on a professional team. And we were training students, doing our own club, and got in a six-passenger uh, Piper Cherokee six aircraft, removed five of the six seats out uh, except for the pilot seat. And I was just, you know, I was annoyed with flying. It took too long to get to the top floor where I wanted to go. And that night it was going to be 13,500 feet. We were going to turn uh, two students out, one at 2,800 feet and one at 4,000 feet. And then we'd go all the way up, myself and my partner and another professional, and do aerial maneuvers and uh, really have a blast. And as we took off, I, I was just, I thought, you know, I'm just going to doze off and fall asleep. And as we did, we waved at the woofos. That's the people on the ground that say, woofo, you jump out of an airplane. Or we'd call them groundhogs because they were on the ground. They wanted to be skydivers, but they never did. And we just waved at them and we took off. And, you know, I was, I literally was, uh, my back was against the guy behind me and I was just dozing off. And suddenly I was awakened by a sound, a sudden sound, an un- unexpected sound. It was a sound of silence. The engine quit. We had an aerodynamic stall. The nose pitched forward. We plummeted to the earth at a speed, rate of speed, probably 100 miles an hour. And I'm sure that the view out of the windshield was, we're all dead. We're all going to die. There was not even seconds until we impacted a tree going at that speed, cartwheeling, wing over wing, and then plunged into the ground, belly side up. When we hit that tree, I didn't have any seatbelt on. I didn't have a helmet on. My face stopped my body against the instrument panel going 100 miles an hour. It was a tremendous impact, and um, I don't remember that part of it. As there was panic, there was injury, uh, the two students were being helped to run away from the aircraft, and the last person out of one was the one farthest away from the door. It was my partner, Dan, and as he was getting out and, and running away, um, there was an explosion, and the plane exploded into fire, and he heard screaming. It was me and the pilot screaming because we were being burned alive inside the remaining inside the aircraft, trapped inside. Dan went back in and he saw me with my leg uh, protruding from the torn place where the wing was in the fuselage. He grabbed my parachute harness and with superhuman strength, he pulled so hard, he pulled his thumbs out of his sockets and pulled me away and yelled to the pilot, under your seatbelt, I'll come back for you. And they rolled me on the ground, extinguished the fire, and then the other wing exploded and there was no hope for, for Walt, the pilot. Well, racing to the hospital, I do remember this. I remember some vague things like waving my arms. It was kind of murky uh, remembrance of this. And it was uh, the, the aluminum was melting, the plastic was melting and sinking, in, sinking into my body. And then I remember uh, putting the fire out, and he had said to me, get up and run away. And I, I took about 10 steps, and I fell over backwards and hit the ground in the back of my head. I put my hand where I hit my head hit, and I pulled it back, and the back of my head was stuck to the palm of my hand. And the next thing I remember, I was in the ambulance racing towards a hospital. And for the first time in my life, a man who was self-sufficient, a man who was strong, a man who had his act together, for the first time in my life, I called out unto a God I didn't know. I called out to a Lord I never served. I said, God, please help me. I'm sorry. I need another. I want another chance. They got me to the hospital. They gave me a brief moment with my mom, and they rushed me in for surgery. And they didn't think I'd make it through the night. I'd sustained massive burns over 50% of my body, the third-degree burns, other burns over the remaining of it. I had a brain contusion from hitting my head. My 
right eye was blinded and my eyelids were burned off and retracted back. And though I was a, an athlete, professional athlete in perfect health, they thought I would die of shock. Well, I made it through the night. I don't remember any of that. And I remember vaguely being awake that next day and a bunch of people paraded in to see me. There were family and friends and all different kinds of people basically letting people come in to see me to say goodbye. And though they didn't think <clears throat> I had a chance, they began to do all the heroics of that time of medicine, the, the uh, medicine, intravenous, oxygen. And in the days that followed, I rapidly fell apart. I would lose uh, almost 50% of my body weight. And I was like 175 pounds and I was in, I was in perfect shape. Uh, and I went down to 90 pounds. I had uh, contusions. I had infections spread over my whole body. The lower parts of both my legs below my kneecap, the nerves died and they withered, my legs withered up and uh, the, 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 low, the low muscles caused my legs to be paralyzed and dead. I was bleeding sometimes 10 pints of blood a day. My blood was infected. Infection was so bad in my body they were going to amputate my right arm. And they continued all the heroics until they ran out of all of their skills and they called in a leading physician from a famous uh, hospital in our area. And I read years later his summary of his... Uh, analysis and all these expensive paragraphs of these terrible things that were wrong with me. And at the end, he writes, there's simply nothing I can offer that young man. The expert said, there is no hope medically or scientifically. He says, just keep going with the pain medicine and keep going with the infections and try and keep them quiet. In other words, they were waiting for the mercy of death to take me away. Well, I didn't really know how bad I was hurt until right near the very end about what I'm about to tell you. The day before this experience I'm about to share with you. I was in a coma and I couldn't see, I couldn't hear, I couldn't talk, but I could see the doctor with a chart on my left side talking to a nurse on my right. And he says, when this patient, Mr. Robinson dies, I want you to sanitize this whole area here and bring this other patient in. I'm thinking, no, 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 no. And I tell people, if you go to a hospital and you're talking to a family friend or relative and they tell you they're in a coma, don't believe them because it's possible their spirit can hear you and you can speak to them and they can understand, they can make decisions, they can understand you. Well, the next day, I got worse, and I was, my heart rate was racing up, I could hardly breathe, they had me propped up, and then from my inside, suddenly, my spirit left my physical body, and I was thrust into a dimension that I never heard of, never heard of any of these things. Instantly, I was in this spiritual dimension, and everything about it was so uh, ecstatic, I looked at my hands and my, and I was fine. It was, I was a spirit man. That's, I didn't know that I am a spirit man. I have a soul and I live in a body. But then it's all about the spiritual dimension. And I, people say, what was it like? Well, the colors are more colorful. The intensity of everything is more dramatic. But the biggest shock and the greatest revelation was the knowing and comprehending of eternity. Everything here is related to time. You got up this morning, you go to bed at night, you're young, you're old. Something is, is born, it will die. But in, the, but in the spirit, the spirit will be forever. And all of this was shocking. And then I was like gliding on an upward glide path towards a white portal. It was brighter than the sun and whiter than any snow you've ever seen. But I could look right at it. It had this peace emanating. I felt this odd thing like I need to go there. And just as I was approaching it, I felt something on my right. And I looked and I was looking into blackness blacker than black. I also had a complete understanding of this place. It was eternal. You'd be cut off from the source of all life. There'd be no hope. 
no, no matter what you wanted to be, who you wanted to know, there'd be, you'd be a super conscious, but you would know you would ever, forever experience nothing but total separation and ultimate loneliness. It was eternal, solitary confinement with no chance of escape. It's the most horrifying thing. Some people in this life will say, I give up, it's hopeless. As long as you can say that, there is hope. But I experienced where there is no hope. And as this was closing in front of me and eclipsing the white light, I began to cry out the same desperate and clumsy prayer. I'm sorry, help me, give me another chance. And suddenly I was burst through this portal and I was in the third heaven in the presence of Almighty God. And I comprehended eternity, but this reality of it. I was going to live forever and ever and ever. There was nothing that was wrong. I was suddenly, I I knew myself as a son of God, not Mickey Robinson, a former skydiver, stockbroker, athlete. I was a son of God who was cleansed from all sin. How could that happen? Because somehow that desperate prayer prying out from God got me through the cross that Jesus suffered and died on. And in his presence, David wrote, is the fullness of joy, is life forever and ever. And I knew things you could never know in the natural world. Some people say, what did you see? Well, I didn't see any angels. I didn't see any fat babies with diapers on them, flying around with little wings, playing playing harps. I didn't see Peter checking IDs at the pearly gates. I didn't see any of that stuff. But all the things that heaven were made out of, it's it was like translucent glass, but it had every kind of color in it, and you could look right through it. And everything I saw uh, is alive, and it all is glorifying God. And there's no shadows in heaven. Light goes into everything, and light radiates out of everything. It's so different. Well, you'd say, how can that be? Because heaven is made out of different stuff. It's made out of eternal properties. And then they said, well, did you see God? No, I, the presence of God was somewhere uh, to my immediate left. And I was standing in this vibrating golden vibration going right through me between my, my waist and my knees, and it was the river of life. And everything that river touches is completely alive. It's more alive than if you do yoga and vitamins forever, I promise you. I was so alive and so excited. And then I saw a vision of the future for approximately six and a half years. I saw things could have never understood that were going to happen. I saw people I didn't know. And some of them I zoomed in on. And I, why is this? And I felt like I was going to have some kind of relationship with them. I saw my wife five years before we ever met. Uh, and she would have been just a kid. And then I saw our first home we were going to live in. I could feel the sunlight on my arm looking out at a gate where we were going to have horses that was very peaceful and pleasant. And then I saw myself on a scene in the Caribbean where I was coming down a mountain. And I, was, I heard someone talking. I looked, and it was me. And then I zoomed in to myself and heard myself saying, this is paradise. And that actually happened six and a half years later. And when that, that, then the vision dissipated, and I was in the presence of God. And God spoke to me, not like I'm talking to this mic. But, but his spirit spoke into my spirit, and I knew I was going back to earth, and immediately that took place. And I promise you, I promise you with all of my heart, there's no way I wanted to go back to earth. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, anybody that says they went to heaven and voluntarily came back, I have to question them, because in his presence is the maximum experience. I did come back, sank into my body. I woke up, and the doctors and nurses were terrified. I could immediately have the ability, James, to discern and terrify what was going on, understand what was going inside of them. Five or six people were so scared they had to go into the bathroom and change their pampers. I mean, these people were freaking out. And I, I felt bad that they were so troubled. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I'm the one, I, my condition had not changed. But before God ever began to heal me, I was comforted. And I had peace 
literally the peace that passes understanding. I had total peace and total comfort. I felt bad for them. And then I had love. I loved everybody and everything. It didn't even matter. Nothing was conditional. Everything was 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 total love. And the doctors were freaked out and you know they were still waiting for me to die. And the next day I didn't die and after and they began to cooperate with something they didn't understand. That was new life. And I slowly began to survive what was still an insurvivable. And as the time went by, um they said I'd never walk again and I burst up and I said, I'm gonna walk out of here. I did take a few steps in the hospital, but I did walk out again. And before a year was over, I jumped out of an airplane again. <laughs> but some of the healings that took place, um, and I didn't know anything about healing except old Bible stories, but I d- certainly didn't believe any of them. And never, I didn't know what it was to be a Christian. I never met anybody who had encountered God. I didn't know anybody who ever had a testimony. I, w- and I didn't know I was, lo- I was lost until I was saved. If someone told me I was lost, I'd probably blow it off to be talking about Am I saved? Look at me. I'm a skydiver. I got this girlfriend. We're going to get married. I got all these cool friends. And I was so lost. I didn't know. I didn't know what lost was. But once you know the enlightenment of God, it's incredible. Now, I want to, uh, James, I want to I read a couple of things on my book for the sake of time about the transition of different worlds. It was blacker than the blackest black. The, the condition of a soul enclosed in this bottomless darkness is beyond dreadful. You would have passions and burning desires for everything, but you would know only total separation from the source of all life. Dreams and visions of wanting to do things will be gone and separated with dark despair. This aloneness would be final, non-negotiable, and never-ending. And the opposite of that, as those words gushed out of my mouth, helped me, and I was thrust into heaven. It was the most pure, beautiful light the most beautiful sounds, the, the greatest sense of bliss and joy. It's, it's incomparable. We don't have words to describe the beauty and the joy of the Lord and who you are as a totally transformed being. To be out of the carnal world, to be out of the natural world, and this was only in the third heaven. What I know now is that first spiritual place was the second heaven. And it's referred to by the Apostle Paul. He himself refers to, I know a man who was in the third heaven. He talks about himself in the third person because he didn't want to touch the glory of God. But the second heaven is referred to. Hey, Mickey, why don't you tell us about your calling? Because you didn't only get called back, you also got an invitation into divine destiny. Isn't that right? Well, it was a discovery. One of the biggest things you go through when you go to a catastrophe, if you like, is one thing to get, to get saved, and, and you know what you're saved from, and I know what I'm saved to. But what are you saved for? And I, the biggest thing was, what am I going to do now? And God eliminated anything I would ever try on my own, and he, drew, he drafted me into the ministry. I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't sign up. But the only thing that worked was for me telling the story. I had this incredible ability to read the scriptures and understand them. And then God placed people around me where I grew so rapidly. And he, I started just sharing my testimony in a place they would let me. I just wanted to be a nice guy in church and with my wife and a new baby. And you know, I didn't know. And this God just quickly drafted me. And doors began to open. And I've been all over the world, flown you know, three million miles on airplanes, plus driving cars, go places, and every kind of place in foreign country. The biggest thing is the love. I love people. And I want them to have their own encounter with God. And I have had a, you know, a prophetic ministry. I've been a teacher, a pastor, and all that. But if anything, I'm a messenger of hope. 
Amen. To anybody. Mickey, I remember one of your stories one time, perhaps, when you were laying in the hospital bed and everything started to shake, and out of your being, like a river, you you said something like, I'm going to be a priest or something. Is that right? Well, it was probably a Sunday afternoon. For some reason, there wasn't a visitor there, and a guy came in with a big book, which I had never – and he said, excuse me, can I pray for you? No one ever said that. And I was still, you know, uh, kind of in intensive care, and – he said, yeah, I don't remember what he prayed. Then he said, can I read you something in the Bible? So he opened the Bible, and he started reading, and something in my belly started shaking, and it bubbled up, and I was so weak, I could not even lift my hand. And all of a sudden, my arms and legs are flapping. I'm like a piece of bacon frying in a frying pan. I sat up and said, i got to be some kind of a priest or something. I've been reborn. I never heard of born again or anything like that. And I know that was the, that probably activated my healing, and it, and it declared my destiny and calling. As, as a servant of the Lord, as a minister of God. And so from the the amount of knowledge you had, out of your being came, I'm going to be a priest or something, because that's the way you had of like uh, being able to declare. But when you did that, you declared yourself from a certain earthly destiny into your eternal heavenly destiny, right? It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? We get we get an we get a, a fragment of understanding and a wealth of reality comes in and some and that's why I, I want to encourage the people who you are your your personality and your who you are your identity isn't what you were and it's not so much what you do it's that you're a child of God and God loves you as a son everybody a lot of people we know James have been mm-hmm. looking for a good father yeah. well I met the real one I mean and and I've become the father that I was looking for, and so have you, and so have many of our friends. We, we grew up, there's a lot of father wounds and hurts, but the biggest thing, and then the calling, the Apostle Paul says, forgetting what's behind and pressing on ahead to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Upward isn't just getting to heaven, it's heavenly encounters here on earth. Amen. Hey, this is James Gall with God Encounters Ministries, and I was just riveted myself. I mean, I was having to hold back the tears, and I've heard this man's story, testimony, and I've observed his life now for many, many, many years. But his life is a parable, but it also is a reality. Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. What this man encountered, you don't have to free fall from an airplane to experience what he did. But you can free fall into the arms of the loving Savior, Jesus Christ. So, it has been an honor and a blessing to be able to have my dear friend, Mickey Robinson, and his book is called Falling into Heaven, and you can go to Amazon.com, and you can get it there, as well as the publisher is Broad Street, and then we'll have some more information for you in a moment on that. And so, how would you like to have him come back again and maybe tell us another round of stories and testimonies on the prophetic or on the miraculous today? Because God encounters are for everyone, right? Well, let me invite Mickey to come back. And instead of me doing the closing prayer, I'm asking this 
firebrand of the Lord to give us a closing prayer of impartation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you people on this that follow this broadcast are charisma people, and you're into this stuff. So I want to pray first, and I want to pray an impartation. Father, I thank you that in this time in, in 2019, though the world's in chaos and confusion, you've got a plan for everybody's life. I pray an acceleration of, of, of the power of the Holy Spirit in each of these listeners' lives. We have time to redeem time and use it wisely. I bless you right now, you listeners. I ask you to lay hold of everything for which God has laid hold of you and believe God for the biggest, the most, the best, every opportunity, and don't fear, but trust God. And I want to pray an impartation on you right now. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, not only quickened my mortal body, but when God filled me with his spirit, he unloaded and unleashed a, a treasure that keeps unfolding. There is no limits on God's ability to bless and to use you. I pray an impartation of the spirit of revelation. I pray an impartation of signs and wonders, of praying for healings, praying for miracles, and also to be set free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed and totally. And right now, I ask you to lay hold of all the instructions of our Lord Jesus as a disciple and to step into a faster and a higher and a stronger dimension. I ask for the acceleration of God to give you vision and to give you comrades, like-minded people. When you get together, the sparks of the Holy Spirit fly back and forth like an electronic arc. Be filled with the Holy Spirit even right now. I just pray right now, new fillings, new anointings, and new vision in the strong name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the champion, is leading us into his glory in these days. I bless you. I thank you for listening. Tune in for my friend James next week. Thanks a lot. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.